Ugh, another, yet another tiring week. They're, they're always very tiring weeks. This week is tiring because I tried to come up with a scenario for myself in which um, I would be able to do something related to this film, but couldn't couldn't come up with anything without without a spoiler. So um, this is what you're getting. This is just me pretending. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, five star reviews. They're good. What do you think? Yeah, five star reviews. We like them, uh, and we also like people joining our lovely Facebook community. Yeah, we do. We love that Facebook, Instagram. Um, I was putting art on Instagram and then for some reason I stopped putting art on Instagram, but I am going to, I am going to, I will be going to. Um, so anyway, this week is a tale of two sisters. Um, if you haven't seen it, you probably should. Um, aside from that, let's get into it. Welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast and the world's premier kitchen for horror sandwiches. Now, what are horror sandwiches, I hear you ask? Well, it's a lovely movie filling surrounded by two slices of delightful, chatty, chatty goodness. Uh, I'm Mark, and as always, I'm joined by Matthew. Hello. Hello. I sort of shouted hello from a distance, even though I'm not at a distance. Yeah, you uh, you jumped right in there. I was... Added I was a sound effect. today rather than having to, to come up with a greeting on the fly. Yeah, yeah. And um, this week, we've got a lovely, delightful, jubilant guest. Jubilant, I don't know. Anyway, hello, it's Kevin. We've got Kevin. Hi there. Hello, Kevin. How are you? Is it a fine day for you? Fine evening? Uh, it's re- really nice, yeah. Um, yeah, just had my tea. Uh yeah, all all uh, refueled and ready to go. A lovely cup of tea. What what brand of tea bag are you rocking? Um, oh, it's Co-op's own Assam. Oh, you can't beat an Assam. Yeah. Um, good tea region actually, Assam. Yeah. Uh, not that I know much about tea. We we um, dodged some controversy there. I was I was I was dreading the worst then. Yeah, yeah. I, I, if he'd said PG tips or Tetley, we might have had to just stop this conversation and and just <laughs> call call an end to the podcast. Yeah, but, I mean, um, what, sort of, what sort of maniac could drink PG tips? <laughs> yeah, definitely not me. That's for sure. You shouldn't 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 drink tea made by monkeys. I'm just saying. Um. Anyway, <laughs> let's let's get away from this. Um, tea branding issue that we've got and um oh let, uh, what, what what's happened has anyone got anything because um the only thing i've really got is that I, I i was thinking today that squashies do you know what a squashy is those sweets the drumstick ones yeah they've come out of nowhere really they're, they're sort of a new sweet well newish but they're real good they're sort of i'd say they're up in the high echelon of sweets 
Um, kind of the uh, the Lotus Biscoff of sweets, didn't they? Is it they? Oh yeah, they've come out of nowhere. They've come out of nowhere. Okay, yeah, dominated. A very sharp trajectory in their success rate. Yeah. Kevin, any thoughts on the squashy or would you like I, to what? <laughs> I don't think I've even heard of them. I I never ever moved past the Tang Fastic, to be honest. Which is also quite an elite sweet. I the mean tang, yeah, Tang Fastic is a great sweet. Yeah, I like the cherry one. I must admit, I'm I'm a I'm a cherry guy, I like a cherry flavoured thing, but yeah, the you know what a drumstick lolly is, though, don't you? The old, uh, it's a real sticky lolly. It's a pain in the ass to eat as a lolly goes. Oh yeah, you need um, jaw muscles of a of a shark. Oh yeah, the old sharky yeah, jaw a, muscles. <laughs> squashies are basically just the uh, the gummy version of that. Just, uh... Yeah, the flavors there, but they're more of a sort of foamy. Uh, I mean, uh, they are squashy. They're, yeah, they're they exactly are very what squashy. Yeah. To be, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're they're an elite suite, I'd say. They've 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 climbed they've climbed the thing. They've passed fizzy flying saucers and coconut mushrooms and, and other and other things from my childhood, and um, found themselves in the in the upper echelon. Um, yeah, that's all I've really got for you this week, aside from um, both. Although by the time you hear this, it'll be late news. But Matthew's delivered a. A, a bomb to us, which is that we're not going to get to see the voyage of the Demeter. Um, and not in the UK anyway, on the cinemas. No, we are, we are spoiled because of our location. Yeah. We're looking forward to that one and no Dracula's on boats for us. No Dracula's on boats. No Dracula's on boats. Um, Oh, actually, no, there was a thing, because I was going to tag you in a post, uh, but uh, we called another thing. We've called a couple of things, but I saw that they're going to be making a 13 Ghosts um, TV series, each episode focusing on each individual ghost. Called, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, we, we we called that. We did. Yeah. Did you, uh, have, have they said who's in, involved with it or? No, no, I, I didn't even read the article. I just saw that we're doing it and got excited that we were some sort of clairvoyance. Clairvoyance? Claire. Whoever Claire is. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's, that's a good move. I think it would, uh, well, we said, didn't we, make for a good TV series? Have you seen 13 Ghosts, Kevin? Uh, I've not seen the fe- the really old one. I've seen the 2001 one that's yeah, not well. I think it's, that's- it's not highly regarded, but I actually think it's not too bad. Yeah, we 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 did an episode on it, and I think um, I reckon that's probably just about what our review was. It's not highly regarded, <laughs> but it was all right. But the one thing we said was it was the ghosts that were interesting, and uh, we pretty much said that it would be good to have a TV show with each one. So, yeah, good stuff. So, yeah, hopefully we're the kings of everything, and uh, I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah, can we predict that we become millionaires while while we're on a hot streak? Yeah, yeah, we become millionaires by um, what through the podcast, or would you like something with left? Uh, I, I, I don't really mind. Yeah, okay. Uh, something legal and ethical. Uh, uh, you're not looking at a Breaking Bad situation. You're not. You're not. No, I, I, I don't think I'd make a particularly good hitman either. So. I'm, yeah, I think it'd just have to be uh, just something nice and gentle. All right, okay. 
Uh, well, maybe we'll start on OnlyFans and see how that goes. Uh, <laughs> or maybe not. We've uh, made that joke too many times now that people are going to demand it. Well, I've said before, if they want to see my hairy nipples, oh, come on, right. It's getting silly now. Um, so, Kevin, you're here. You've made it. And um, we're going to be... We're going to be grilling you now, grilling you about your life in horror. And um, if you're ready to go, let's go. Absolutely. So I'm going to start with what is the first horror you can remember seeing? Um, The first probably is more horror adjacent, but Aliens, um, far, far too young. Um, But I think the one, uh, the actual horror I remember with, any real clarity is probably uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. I think that's very vividly lodged in my brain, that one. Oh, that's a great place to start. Um, is Aliens horror adjacent or is it horror? Because um, people always say, don't they? They always go, oh, it's the action version, but um, it's, kind of, it's kind of frightening. Yeah, I would say so. I was, well, I was about seven or eight when I saw it, so... Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that's, Which, that's far I mean, it would have got me at that age. So yeah, <laughs> I'm willing to allow it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, oh, dream warrior, dream, dream warriors. It's a good place to start with that because it's actually quite a fun movie. Um, I think I watched it pretty early doors as well. Um, I don't know. Got a weird history with Freddy Krueger. Um. <laughs> Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, though it's it is a very good place to start because it's like we say, it is that that very fun side of it, isn't it? You know, there's a lot going on that's not just your your scares. Uh, so you've got, I think you've got something to hang your hat on at a young age <laughs> that's uh, not just giving you the willies. Yeah, I feel bad for today's um, youth whose introduction to horror movies might be some of these really grim things we see these days that just make you feel awful. Um, yeah, or <laughs> maybe sort of one of the ones that are a bit... Uh, I mean, sort of like horror comedies now, aren't they, more than so much? Thinking, you know, like you're ready or not and your freakies, sort of those ones that... Aimed at a teen audience. Yeah. I've nothing against those in terms of maybe being a stepping stone onto sort of stronger stuff, though. Yeah, yeah, it's probably probably better in terms of of that. Oh, I don't know. It, it, I suppose it doesn't matter, doesn't it? As long as you enjoy it, who cares? Should yeah, we, we want an audience, however way we can get it, don't we? For horrible. Yeah, yeah. Part of that that charm, and I think it's probably a reason why kids will get into it with I don't I don't agree with what I'm going about to say what proper horror you know <laughs> uh, <laughs> is it that there's there's got to be that element of doing something you know you're not supposed to be doing isn't it you know knowing you're watching a film that you're too old you know that you're too young for you know there's got to be that little element of transgression uh to, to really hook you in. I think that's what people really 
when we ask this question, that's what people always come up with, don't they? Oh, I was too young for that. And it's one of those feelings where you, you're feeling a bit grown up and a bit dangerous and yeah. there's more to it than just a film, I think. Yeah, for Definitely. sure. Because when you're a kid, you you the, the, it does what it's supposed to do. It scares you to the point where, you know, you you can't sleep or whatever. And I think, you know, you do eventually as an adult start chasing that feeling. Um, it's quite difficult to be scared as a horror fan, but um, we're always chasing it. Um, so since you started your journey with sequels, so it seems it, le- it would lead us into a movie that needs a sequel or movies that need to stop making sequels. Or of course, if you've got both. Ooh. Um, I think it's probably already stopped, but Hellraiser, I think they just need to, to give it up. Um, except possibly I'll allow the the reboot, but in terms of prior to that, the there didn't need to be as many as there as there were because the the returns were startlingly diminishing even by a lot of um, sequel standards. Yeah, they were very bad. We we watched one during April when we were doing our sort of Bulls Gold April Fools thing, and we. Found ourselves watching Hell. Was it Hell World? It was Hell World. Yeah, the yeah, one where they, they tried to shoehorn a video game into it. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was a bad. It was a bad. It wasn't. It wasn't even a Hellraiser film. Really, it was very odd. Um. So yeah, no, that was. I, I sort of agree with you there. Actually, it's just a property that they tried to get stuff out of without having any stories. They were just like, oh, chuck Pinhead into this, and away we go. So yeah. No, it's a good shout, that, actually. Um, I don't think we've had Hellraiser before, but no, you're no, right. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure we have. I think the... Uh, yeah, I've still not actually seen that reboot. Uh, so, but judging from, from this, I think maybe it's, uh, it's best not to uh, to dip my toe in there. Yeah, I didn't it, mind the reboot. It, I wish it did more with the kind of addiction theme. It set it up nicely. Uh, that that element was what I liked about the first Evil Dead reboot as well, but I, I felt that that did more with it. Although the character design and the new Hellraiser, I think, is really good. Yes, yeah, yeah. I thought I, I liked the new Hellraiser because it was a little bit, it was slightly less constantly focused on Pinhead. There seemed to be, there was a bit more about the rest of the Cenobites because... You know, they're the most interesting bit. Oh, yeah. No, good stuff. And is there one that you would like a sequel for? It never happened, but um, I'd like to see them expand Event Horizon. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. More of the hell stuff rather That's... than this, the subliminal. Although it's probably why it works as a subliminal shot of it. It might it might be a little bit too much, a little bit too sadistic if it was to really go into it. But um, there could there could easily be another rescue mission that goes out to the Lewis and Clark. And... Yeah, I think it, it, as I recall, it sort of leads itself into a sequel anyway. 
Um, yeah, it'd be quite easy to do one, wouldn't it? Yeah, because I'm sure whatever it is, they take with them into into the rescue ship because a door closes. I can't remember exactly what it is where now now where they went. Ooh, it might be a but, sequel. I, I think you touched on something though. Then that it would be important is that it needs a filmmaker with a bit of restraint to make it. I'd say. Because I think especially now there would be a a big temptation just to try and dial it up and sort of do a you know saw style torture porn version of it. I think it it would have to just be a little bit dialed back from that. Or right. or Panos Cosmatos. I I'd like him. Or, so yes, that. I would I would allow him to well me out. Who am I to allow anyone? But <laughs> I would love to see him have a go at that. Yes, agreed. Agreed. If Mandy's anything to go by, then I want him to make lots of films. Every film, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not every film, but lots of them. Certainly more horror. Oh, what are standout effects? Did you enjoy the effects from Event Horizon? As I, as I recall, it's got amazing sets, but the CGI is a bit ropey. Oh yeah, yeah. There's um, some very when they first go in and there's objects floating about. Um, there's the CGI is incredibly ropey, but whenever whenever they're using practical effects, it's mm. they, they are really good. Um, but yeah, I was I was thinking like I love obviously grew up with eighties horror, mm-hmm. so I'll always kind of go there. Um, and I think, I think my absolute favorite effect ever in a horror film, I think, is um, is it? It's um, the first in the Hell trilogy by Fulci, and it's the the electric drill, uh, the the drill through the face. Oh. Yeah, I think I know. I think I know what you mean. Um, is it, it no House by through, the Cemetery? Is it the third one? Is it City of the Dead? I think maybe is it the one that's through a door into an eye? Or oh no, that's a that's a piece of wood. Um, no, I can't remember what you're talking about. But those, but I do, I do know what you're talking about in terms of those movies and those, um, those were sort of practical effects that major cringe which is what you want you know you don't want to be taken out of it you want to be sucked into it so um yeah no good stuff yeah you know, it's that's, uh, that's one i'm not familiar with so i have to track that down yeah some of that stuff some of that um it's a lot of, a lot of zombie stuff um but yeah it's all very um not like sort of the later romero when they were getting stuff torn apart but but sort of you know, just horrible deaths, really. Um, let's see. What else we got? Do you have a favourite franchise? I'd probably have to stick with um, Nightmare on Elm Street, really. Oh, yeah. I, th- I, think because I, I think because I started there, it took me a long time to really get into other slashers, I think because they seemed a lot more prosaic. Mm-hmm. When, especially like Dream Warriors in particular, I think like really, really creative with the its kills. Um, 
I might even prefer it to the original, uh, to the first one. Yeah, well, I that, that I can I can understand that. Um, it's certainly a, a more fun film to watch and more uh, more coherent, really. Um, that original Nightmare on Elm Street's good, but it's a bit sort of all over the place, and certainly. Um, the Home Alone bit at the end doesn't doesn't stand up. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the that very last shot as well looks amazingly ropey as well. The oh yeah, with the the, the the legs through the window. The yeah, blow up, yeah. <laughs> the blow up doll through a window. Yeah, yeah. yeah bad yeah. stuff. Bad stuff. But no, it's a good. It's a good. It's a good franchise to get involved in. And um, well, it's, uh, it's it's that time of year, isn't it? Where yeah, we've got a few more uh, Freddies to come up on the, the September sleepover. Yeah, we have. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, well, I think we're pretty much going to finish them in September, but you know, we got two years out of it. Um. Oh no, because there's more, isn't there? There's Freddy versus Jason and a remake. Yeah, new nightmare as well. Oh, I think oh. we might try and get new nightmare covered. New Nightmare's really, I really like New Nightmare. Yeah, New Nightmare's great. It's like um, a precursor to Scream, really. New Nightmare. Uh, you could, you can see, you can see it in there, or you can see where Wes Craven's brain was going. Anyway, um, so uh, well, before we get into the um, movie of the week, what is the worst horror movie you've ever seen? I th- I think the very recent Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey's got a uh, a bit of a claim to that. Um, <laughs> it's it, it doesn't have any redeeming qualities whatsoever. No, um, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, I saw it at Glasgow Fright Fest, and it I think it had its its fans, but I I just hated every second of it. Really, I was I think um, I was I went in. A little too hyped for it for a start, and I should have realized that it is going to be terrible, but it's not even so it, it's not even so bad it's good or anything. It's just it's just really inept from yeah. start to finish. Yes, it was a it was a bad film. It was a bad film. And um someone else that I know was raising a point about the fact that it is just um sort of the worst type of horror of, of money making really where they've just taken a property and um and they've just all they've tried to do is make money out of it you know without any care for the filmmaking really it's um yeah not a good film the more i think about it the more i hate it because i've got I, I i love bad horrors i mean that's I think if you're a horror fan, you you kind of need to not not lower your standards, but accept that there's going to be so much dross that you you're just going to be spending a lot of your time looking for the needle in the haystack, or like you say, chasing that that first horror hit again. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've said that a few times on the podcast before. Totally, basically, what you said, which is that. As a horror fan, and I think I think we're more accepting of movies that are lower budget and bad acting and stuff like that because there's a lot of fun to be had out there, and 
you know, with found footage, there's a lot of scares to be had out there for, you know, potentially not very good um, putting together. But, you know, sometimes these low-budget horror movies are made with love and, you know, well, that's that's what it is. They're made with love of the genre, whereas something like Blood and Honey was just, it really, really was just a, a cash cow, wasn't it? You know, the guys have made their money out of it. and um, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's completely cynical it's yeah and i think i think that comes through and i'm sure there's probably more incompetently made films that are actually made with the intention of doing the best that they can and i think absolutely that always shines that always shines through and that I'll, i'll always sort of champion not maybe not champion them in terms of the quality but in, in terms of, I'll always admire anyone who's actually, even if they've, they're not really up to it, is, is just gone for it and bring bring a bit of passion, bring a bit of love to it. Yeah, excellent. We, we, we said with uh, Blood and Honey that you could tell, you know, exactly what you know, we've all been saying about how cynical it is, just from the fact that they just didn't put any of the actual Winnie the Pooh stuff in it. Like there was, you know, he didn't get stuck anywhere. He never said, "Oh, bother." You know, <laughs> none of the 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 stuff that we remember from Winnie the Pooh was in the film. So it's just like, what? Why no, is it even there? No tigger. Yeah, and unless it's just a uh, a cynical way to have a built-in audience for a crap film, what's What's the point of this? There's not. There was no reason for it to be Winnie the Pooh at all. No, that's no, no. You, you, so you're right. Not only is it actually the worst horror movie, it really is the just worst movie. I think it, it, it's it's terrible, and um, I'm annoyed that I was excited for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think the yeah that that's the overwhelming feeling for me as well. Yeah, I mean, it it, yeah. it could have been fine if it was. Made with someone who, like we say, who gave a shit. But it was made by someone who no- noticed that the copyright was going out and that they they had a gap in the market and just went ahead with it. Yeah, a couple of news stories, and you know they had a they got a cinema release for a film that did not deserve it. Um, anyway, let's get off Blood and Honey because um, <laughs> we'll probably we'll probably end up being even more depressed than we might have already have been. Um, so that was the first slice of bread, the first lovely slice of bread. Um, we're going to do the movie now, and then we'll ask Kevin some more questions afterwards. But um, this movie that we're doing is, well, I'm sure you know by the, whatever, the intro and all that stuff. Hang on. I'm going to edit myself there. Um <laughs> Right, so that was the first slice of bread. So we're going to get into the um, filling, which is A Tale of Two Sisters from 2003. And, um, yeah. What made you choose this one, Kevin? It's very high up on the list of my all-time favourite horrors, or maybe not even horror films, and just maybe films in general. I think it's, right. it's a really beautiful um film first and foremost right 
it's yeah. um I, I i do like my horrors have like a big dose of sadness in them um, <laughs> like, like things like the orphanage that kind of thing um and i think this is it's just a really melancholy elegant and ambiguous film that really needs a few a good few viewings to really get your head around yeah yeah there, 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 there might be some truth in that yeah yeah so I'll just go through um, some of the bits and then we'll uh, we'll have a decent chat. Uh, so this movie is directed by Kim Ji Woon. Uh, apologies, everybody, as well, if I mess any of these up because, well, I'm rubbish. Um, we have Im Soo Young as Sumi, uh, Moon Jun Young as Siona. I think it's pronounced. Uh, Yum Jung Ah as Yun Ju and Kim Kap Su as Mu Hyun. Again, as I said, I'm sorry if I if I messed any of that up, but um, you know, I'm an ignorant Western person, so uh, is that a good excuse? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so just to let everybody know before we get into this, uh, we are going to hit spoilers pretty soon. Um, because I think it's going to be a major part of the chat. So if you haven't seen it and you really want to, then, you know, stop now, go watch it and come back to us. Or don't watch it and just let us talk to you about it. Um, but I think Kevin would certainly suggest you stop and go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So... um. The sort of synopsis, really, straight off letterboxd is, a recently released patient from a mental institution returns home with her sister, only to face disturbing events between her stepmother and the ghosts haunting their house, all of which are connected to a dark past in the family's history. Um, So that doesn't tell you too much, really. Um, no, I think this is probably the only bit that's not a spoiler. <laughs> Just that synopsis there. <laughs> So we're sort of introduced to all these characters. Um, and so we have Sumi, who is the one that was in the, the institution, and Siona, who is uh, her sister, who's a bit sort of um, well, shy, I would say. And then is it Yunju is the stepmother. And, um, yeah, it's sort of... Um, Unravels into sort of a sort of evil stepmother, uh, ghost story, sort of thing. That, um, as I said, we're going to drop into the spoilers. I think pretty pretty early doors. So it turns out as a general thing that um, the first uh, twist you get is that actually Siona is uh, not alive anymore. Um, so we're led to obviously believe that she's a ghost. Um, and then later on that Hyunju, who is the stepmother, is also part of Sumi's sort of imagination. You know, and we will start to unpack that properly later because I think there's um like you said, it's sort of this film's got a level of ambiguity that you that you need to sort of you know, ask some questions, and I think we'll get 
get to doing that. Um, well, but... can I ask, did either of you see either of those twists coming when they first came up? Not at all. Yes, I saw one of them coming, but not the not the one. Um, I had a feeling that the the stepmother wasn't real. Um, but I think that was that was the one that I think uh, there was there was something about the sort of real weird changes in um, personality that I couldn't put my finger on um, and the way that she was I'm normally quite good for picking these sorts of things up uh, but I think I, I, I missed it entirely both times I, I think like I think the I think the reason that I I missed it uh, the first twist anyway these because a film has us set up for a ghost story, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and I mean, it is a ghost story. It does go right the way throughout. But I liked it how, you know, we're, we're led to believe this film is going to be just you sort of, I thought it was a run-of-the-mill haunting. And you, you kind of think that the sisters are going to have to fight against the stepmother and there'll be some sort of drama around that and then the ghosts of the real danger. And and then we're just sort of dragged somewhere completely different with it. Yeah. I think that's I, why it, it, it threw me off just because it's, it does, it's a left turn that feels like a left turn. Yeah. 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 I, no, I, I, sorry. Um, and I, I think it uses everyone sort of, Instant, like inbuilt knowledge of how fairy tales work against you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I actually to answer your question properly, I didn't, I didn't actually call it. I just, I just felt there was something not quite right with her. Um, it, not in terms of she wasn't just an awful person. There was something else going on there. But actually, it, you know, uh, in the in the dinner scene particularly as well, it's a, it's a quite an abrupt switch of character yeah. from her being ice cold to being really overly chatty and jittery at the table. Yeah. Yeah. It, so uh, I, I can't say that I called it, it called any of it. And I don't know why I thought that I did, but. Um... <laughs> I, I think, I think if I watched it now for the first time, I'd maybe get there but only because I've seen hundreds of films that probably do that does the same thing, but less well in the 20 years since well so I, I, I yeah i noticed um because i started not necessarily doing a rewatch a sort of fast forward rewatch before this just to sort of clear it up a bit in my mind and um early doors it gives you it gives you a little bit of um information that the that the one of the that she's one of the sisters is not real in so much as they're wearing an outfit, but it's one outfit that's separated between the two of them, which is, um, you know, I think it's Sumi's wearing like a red blazer and stuff, and where and Siona's wearing the skirt that goes with the outfit. And like I say, you wouldn't pick up on it. It was only because having looked at it, I was like, oh, they're wearing a thing. So um, yeah, it's um, 
it does. It's one of those sort of good films where, for a rewatch, knowing the twist going in, you can you can sit through it and go, "Oh, ah, <laughs> yeah." Because I mean, that's to to the film's eternal credit is that I'd say both twists are things that we, we've seen loads and loads of times, haven't we? You know, yes. there's nothing you know necessarily like new there, but you know, it doesn't feel hack. They, they've, you know, they've managed to, you know, either hide the seams and present it in a way that through people, you know, genuinely throws people off, which is, well, it throw, throws me off at least. Uh, you know, I, I smart could, people I, probably did get through it, but. <laughs> I, I can't, I, watching it again, like literally just hours ago, I can't see that that it cheats at all. No. That, um, yeah, I I, th- I think it earns it. It's so well constructed. I think it it earns those twists. And unlike film that I saw at the same time as when I saw this, um, Switchblade Romance or High Tension, which does not function. That that twist does not work with the mechanics of the film at all. Oh, I've got high tension on my list. Oh, yeah, God. I mean, there's, you know, I like to, uh, the, the the worst twist that I, I remember in, in cinema, uh, which is one that always gets a lot of praise in, in you know, some quarters, is The Usual Suspects. Like, I really hate that movie, just because, <laughs> like, the, the, this, the whole film is... Is set up with this, you know, this group of characters in it, and the only one that's left alive at the end is Kevin Spacey. And then the film goes, "Ah, it was him all along," and you just kind of sat there thinking, "Fucking obviously it was," you know. <laughs> and <laughs> the the it's you know, a film that I don't know. I always thought treats its audience with a bit of disdain. You know, like it doesn't. It just tells you a, a twist without actually, you know, providing you reason to be invested and reason to be misled. Uh, it basically just lies, and this film just does the opposite of that. It builds up a story and presents a story in a way where. Like you say, it doesn't lie to you. Mm. Uh, it uses tricks like unreliable narrators and uh, your know, perspective to go. This is this is what it is. You're just seeing it from someone's point of view, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah the the clues are there on the rewatch, or the or if you're spectacularly attentive the first time watching it, the the clues are there. But I, I think yeah. it's 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 a film that's just so like great to look at. The color scheme's gorgeous. So I think that that wash that works against you as well because it, you ju- it just washes over you the first time you're watching it. You're just taking it all, taking it in. You're enjoying the 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 atmosphere, the acting, everything like that. And and I tend not to focus on like how the film works as a mechanism. I suppose until subsequent viewings. Yeah, it does that nice thing 
uh, as well, where you, you know, when it tells you or when it, it gives you that reveal, it, it allows you to sort of look back and go, oh, yeah, that bit and, and that bit and this was going on then and uh, which it, it's it's nice when you can think about that and go, oh, yeah, I, I, that makes sense to me now in, in this way, uh, whereas it made sense in a different way previously. Mm, yeah, it's a very intelligent film. Um, but I think it's I think it's fair to say that it also is, as far as horror movies go, it's pretty clever with its scares. Um, there aren't that many. Um, but for example, and if we can go through um, a couple of them. So the first one we get is this um, ghost that heads towards the bed. And it's almost sort of that traditional, even though this is a Korean film, it's very sort of, you know, Japanese style ghost. But um, the fact that it, it doesn't appear out of a jump scare, but it moves so slowly towards um, Sumi. And it just, um, it's sort of, it makes you feel like it's building towards something that's going to be really scary. Um, which is, it's just, it's just clever stuff. Um, yeah, it still, it still works. I, um, I don't know how many times I've seen the film and it's the bit where she suddenly looks round after, uh, Sumi gasps and then she just stands up very, very suddenly. And I mm. still went, Oh Jesus. Uh, yeah, it's and there's a lot of CGI going on it a little. Um, in terms of the, there's a slight f- flicker to her skin and everything, but it still it still holds up. I think. Yeah, I must admit I didn't notice any CGI in there at all. Um, so yeah, Matthew thought you like that one. <laughs> well, when you were saying earlier about chasing that feeling. I got a I got a little grab hold of it. I'm not because it yeah it really did get me did that uh, that bit then yeah yeah I think it's it's because it's like the first time I think we see anything supernatural, isn't it? Yeah. So I think it it kind of gives you a, a fleeting moment of what I imagine it would be like to genuinely see something supernatural because uh, it's. It's so unexpected to, to see this this ghost all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't feel like it's set up to be that kind of film. To start yeah, with. exactly. Yeah, yeah. It does come out. It does. It does feel like it sort of comes out of left field. So the second what uh, and you might disagree with me whether this is a scary scene or not, but we briefly went over this dinner scene. Um, where she's invited over his her brother-in-law or uncle or, or however that works. And the way that she's acting is so uncomfortable. Um and it again it, it's got this this sort of tension build up where it's like you get the feeling that something awful is going to happen. Um and it kind of it kind of does, and it leads into um, another sort of scare, which isn't, which probably is the least um, 
later on, uh, the woman who has a seizure during this is having uh, saying what she saw, saw. And I think that leads you into what it thinks is a scare, which I think is probably the least effective of them. Um, but yeah, that whole dinner scene is very... Um, uh, there's something about it. It's just sort of got an element of tension that I didn't like. Oh, yeah, so. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, it really plays on social uh, on like social cringe factor. I, I think for from a British point of view, we don't we don't like that. We, we'd rather. <laughs> <laughs> but again, as as nobody else at the table does, nobody sort of pulls her up on it. They just let her go on and just look increasingly uncomfortable as as it, as she just goes on and on and on. Yeah, yeah. It's just this um and that but that's part of what 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 is the tension of it is that you can tell that everybody else at the table is like, why is she being like this? This isn't you know, this isn't the right mood for the situation. But we don't from our point of view as well, we still don't really know what the mood for the situation is supposed to be. Um, so it's very, it's, it's all very strange. Behaviors are strange over, over, over the whole of it. So um, yeah, it's, it, it's one of the scenes that really stands out. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's horror that gets you on an emotional level because I mean, whenever, whenever I'm in a public city, well, your group setting, I, I'm terrified that I'm making that sort of arse of myself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you're not. You're a wonderful chap. Oh, um, thank you. So I think the 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 last one that I want to talk about um, is probably, uh, and I knew I already knew this scene from having. Um, not even seen it. I was like, this scene came along, and I was like, oh, I'd seen this somewhere before. Um, which is this very, very slow build towards a jump scare, uh, at a sink, basically. And um, what do you guys think of this scene? It's again, it, it's slow, isn't it? Really, really burns. Yeah, I mean the film does a really good job of elevating that sort of nuts and bolts horror, doesn't it? Uh, you know, the, the jump scares, the the spooky supernatural stuff. It's, I mean, like we said earlier about the twist before, it's stuff that we've seen loads of times, but the fact that they can improve upon what we've seen before, just, I mean, it's, it's impressive, isn't it? <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Very. Uh, and although you said the the reveal of the girl under the sink, who's presumably Su Young, um, isn't the most of effective bit. It does. You you do know give you the uh, does give you the knowledge that there is something there, and so when the the sink door clicks open, and Yunju goes over to see it, you know that there's something under there. But then it, so you're you're just waiting for the hand to come out. But then, right out the corner of her eye, then she notices the figure sat at the table. And so then you think, ah, oh, that's where the scare is. And then, so when she goes to pick up the, I think it's an earring or something. Then the hand comes out. 
because you've led oh the scares elsewhere. Yeah. And so and again, so it misdirects you again, and then when she jumps back from the hand grabbing her, she suddenly turns around and the the girl in the green dress is there again. And so it, it sort of works on about three different levels in in terms of where it's uh, where the scare is coming from. It's, it's really well constructed. Yeah, yeah it's that uh, that scare the cat thing, isn't it? You know, where they. Uh, sort of put you off the jump scare before delivering it. But in this time it's just, no, we'll just give you three scares. <laughs> we'll just give you each one more worse than the last. And 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 the hand coming out is even, how doesn't matter how many times I've seen it, it's always two beats after I'm ready for it. Yeah. So I've, I've, I... I've kind of almost relaxed again. And then it's, uh, it's never when I'm expecting it. It seems to change every time. Yeah, because it's it it it's slow. I mean, uh, I might be wrong, but it feels like that scene's about ten minutes long before you get to. It may not be as long as that, but it feels really, really slow. Um, they they take their time getting there, um, which is exactly what you want, really. You know, I've said that a few times on 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 the podcast that you know, tension is the is the best scare, isn't it? Because that's what you you know. Slashes and stuff are great and great fun, but they're not scary. It's the sort of build towards something, you know. Yeah, you'd you'd run out of steam in a horror movie pretty quickly if you just delivered everything straight away, wouldn't you? And without mm. you know, giving giving a proper build to things. Yeah. Well, um let's see. I've only really got um a couple more things so if you guys have got other stuff you want to bring up then um by all means go mad or not uh, no. <laughs> i'm not so sure I, I do yeah right okay yeah. well I um, think... yeah I, I just all it's um on this viewing i didn't expect it um but uh Yung Jung Ah who plays the uh Yoon Ju the stepmother. I didn't realise she's absolutely the MVP of the film. As as impressive as the two young girls are, like she's got a really, really difficult job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. She's playing more than one character. Um, despite the fact that she's playing the same character. And for like and she's perfectly cast because she's sort of young beautiful but yeah she's definitely got that sort of icy quality but then she plays terrified really well and for, there's something about the fringe she's got that there's it almost harks back to the ring whereas the it's she's quite often got one eye covered and i don't know if, i don't know what it, like maybe that it's just because it always makes me think of the ring or is that always creeps me out slightly yeah just on a just on a a purely sort of subconscious level, really. Well, then I think what we should sort of do is there's a bit of um, so there's there's this this ending um, where we find out that. Um, uh, 
it's so hard to explain what the ending is really because we sort of go back in time basically and we find that um the girl's mother sort of she was really ill and then ended up taking her own life um and that leads to an the horrible accident which takes out which kills Siona and it's got this um it's got this part of the storyline where it's we sort of led back to whether Yunju is bad or good, and it's a difficult thing to understand where the reality of this film starts um, falling apart because um, we've seen her slightly before then in in the sort of back in the the sort of hospital, and she seems like a really really kind person. So it's really really difficult to start. Picking out what's going, what's in uh, Sumi's head, and what's actually happening. Um, yeah, and I don't know what I don't know what more there is to really say about it. Like you said before, it's very ambiguous about yeah. you know. But, but you, you don't know because it looks like she could have easily have saved Suyong, and she's just walked away. And le- leaving this poor girl to die, presumably not just slowly being crushed to death, but pinned by her mum's corpse as well. Yeah, it's... But... <laughs> yeah, no, you're... well, that's what happens, but it's so... Um, you do come away at the end, and I don't know if it ever fixes itself where, you, where you're going, I don't really know what actually happened. Um, all you really know is that Sumi's, you know, had trauma in her life and, you know, whatever's going on in there, well, you feel bad for her. Yeah, I mean, the the other thing that it, it's possible to consider is that it's, that the that ending is still the perspective sort of thing and while it appears callous, you know, it might just be the case that it's, you know, it's just one character's view of what would have happened then. Mm. Uh, but again, it's like, it's that thing, isn't it? You know, sometimes ambiguous endings, they're just, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter one way or another, is it? You know, no, it's not I suppose we we get the ending that we we get, and sort of the 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 ambiguity doesn't affect what's come before so much. No, no, it doesn't affect the film at all. But it, it's just um, it's just weird. It sort of leaves you right at the end, going, huh? <laughs> I, I think that the scene just before that for me was the the one that. I think I enjoyed the most where it was a case of, you know, we've, we've gone through this, you know, through the ringer of uh, mental breakdowns and, you know, not knowing what's, uh, what's real and what's not. And and I just always assumed throughout all of this, when they, you know, they said that there is this uh, mental break, that the ghosts were just part of that. And then, there was this scene where it just goes, nope, they're, 
they're still here. That's that's a real thing that's happening. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah, I, mm, yeah, really makes you question whether yeah, there's the supernatural ele- elements actually there, or whether it's Sumi's wishful thinking that Yunju's been punished in some way for it. Yeah, right. See, I didn't even consider that. So there's even <laughs> there's even more <laughs> to uh, to go on this. I mean, well, I mean, I was gonna wait till we till we get to the review, but and I, I I need to watch this again almost immediately just to actually unpack it properly. Even as a few hours ago, I'm I'm starting to doubt myself. But at the very very end, when it shows just Sumi getting out of the car. I'm not 100% if she's wearing both the red top and the red shorts. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, she definitely, she's, oh, right, yeah, uh, when they show her just getting out on her own. Oh, that's interesting. Um, if you find out, let us know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, well. I think I have got one more thing that, I, that, that as per usual, I've taken a, I've taken a shot in the nuts for everyone Um for all the lovely listeners, and that I discovered that this uh, th- this movie didn't quite um, survive the let's remake films. Um, so this did have uh, an American remake, mm. uh, the Uninvited. It's called, and uh, there's nothing more than to say that it's just not as good, not even nearly as good. Um. It's well, it's terrible, um, but you know, I like to, uh, I like to take a hit for everyone, just so they know that they don't have to look for it. Um, although, to be honest, I think the only movie that probably survived that that um, was maybe The Ring, and even that's was Japanese, wasn't it? Not Korean. Um, yeah. Anyway, there you go. That was the last thing. Um, well, thank you for taking one for the team. Yeah, yeah. No. So, shall we get into um, the reviews then? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready if you are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to find out what the critics have said. Um, don't worry. I'm 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 on it. So we've got seven point one on IMDb. 86% Rotten Tomatoes and a 4.2 out of 5 on Amazon. Um, and the letterbox score, don't worry, I'm on it. <laughs> um, let's see. 3.7. That's pretty high rating for a horror, actually, on, on Letterboxd. Yeah, I mean, uh, so just got it up now and the... Uh... The, the most common rating is four stars for this. Right, so I think that leads us into doing our own review. So if you're new here, we've got a three-tier system. We've got shit, but not very good. Um, I think we might change that, you know, Matthew. I think we might have to get rid of shit and put something else in. It's the only one that doesn't have anything that... It doesn't fit, does it? it yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll look at it. We'll come back to it. Um We've got an ooh, it's spooky for middle of the road and um, <laughs> a creative psychopath for, well, the best it can be. 
Um, I might as well fire off. Uh, I'm glad that we had this chat about this movie because having watched it by myself, I wasn't entirely sure whether I enjoyed it or not. Um, but um, it turns out I did. So I'm going to give it a creative psychopath. It's certainly a, a movie for discussing, I think, which is nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm inclined to agree with you. Uh, I watched it and kind of sort of twigged like right at the end going, oh, you've, you got this wrong the whole time. This isn't what you thought it was. <laughs> and uh, just because it was so all over the place and, and you know, it just keeps, keeps you guessing and keeps you on your toes throughout the whole thing. And you know, like I say, just discussing it just helps unpack it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still think I need to, to definitely watch it again very, very soon. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm I'm going to go creative psychopath too because I'm pretty sure it's uh, it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was um, pretty effusive right at the very, very beginning, so uh, to nobody's surprise, uh, very much creative psychopath. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's just so good and. Given it had been quite a long time since I'd seen it, um, it every, every I remember so much of it. Like it seems to be ingrained, and it's just I think it's just tremendous on pretty much every level. Yeah, lovely. Well, there you go, everyone. The te- a tale of two sisters. Get it watched. Um, so before we get into the final slice of bread, it to uh, remind you that we do have a Patreon these days. Um, that we will get to doing stuff on. Um, there is some stuff on there, Batman 89 and something else. Uh, who's to say? You know, get on there, find out what's in the lucky mystery bag of uh, Patreon. It's very cheap, so go have a Very look. cheerful. Uh, no, it's angry and psychopathic or something. Hmm. No, it's cheerful. No, you're right, very good. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Right, anyway, so let's get into this final slice of bread. So we've got a few more questions for you, Kevin. Sure. Um, Let's see, what have we not asked? So go on then, what is your favourite horror movie? Ooh, um, sort of basic answer would be, out of the undisputed classics probably the thing but i think the one i keep going back to and this surprises a lot of people is martyrs oh really yeah that is a surprise there's there's something about it that sandblasts my soul clean every single time and it's 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 a weird it's a weird one to choose if you're having a bad day but for some reason it seems to work and i come out going ah things could be worse i suppose (laughs) <laughs> yeah, your your life could certainly be worse than the film Martyrs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I think it's just it's, there, there's beauty in amongst the brutality, and that's quite hard to get right. I think I, yeah. it, it feel it feels like there is a message to it, and there is a point to it. It's not just it's it's not hostile, <laughs> for example. Uh, yeah, I I think it's just. It's just great, and I, I, it it feels like um, you know Pet Cemeteries, the book that Stephen King says freaked him out, and he can't he doesn't know where that came from, and it it frankly concerns him that he wrote it, 
Um, there's, <laughs> at the, um, on the DVD and Blu-ray of Martyrs, there's an interview with Pascal Logier, and he's like, like, I don't know why anybody would want to watch it. <laughs> although, although apparently he did treat the actresses very, very badly on uh, with so yeah, that's a, a, a slight caveat to the whole thing. Makes it down a level, doesn't it? <laughs> it it does, yeah. Yeah. But what I, I would like to, to just say now though is, is thank you because you've been you've been picking a lot of our previous episodes for, for all of your questions so far. So <laughs> just for the reminder for people to, to go back and have a listen to what we thought of all these. I mean, we, you know, I think we owe you a little debt there. Oh, cheers. <laughs> yeah, by all means, go back and listen to the Martyrs episode. As I recall, we weren't... I, I didn't... I, I, I know I didn't... I, it blew me away on the first watch, but on the second watch for the review of it, it wasn't... It, it didn't do as much for me but i do have another friend uh sam who's been on the podcast and she watches it a lot i think it's like a comfort movie for her too so you know weird isn't it how the old brain works we do walk amongst you (laughs) (laughs) so uh let's do two more questions so what's a scary moment from a non-horror movie that you remember again this growing up in the 80s there's you're spoiled for choice. Um, True. You've you've got the Wheeler chaps from Return to Oz. Mm-hmm. Um, God, there's quite a few others. Um, there's Large Marge in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Uh, oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I, th- I think just for how many is packed into a PG film, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So there's the there's the bit where Alfred Molina gets impaled. That always creeped me out. Um, there's Karen Allen being all the triggering something that has all the skeletons jump out at her, uh, and then obviously the opening of the arc at the end with the exploding, shriveling, healing Nazis. Yeah, Spielberg and, does it again, Matthew. Yeah, he does. he's the patron saint of this question, isn't he? I, I, I just don't understand how that's a PG film. No, like, no, I really don't get it at all. I mean, I'm glad it is, but it, and, and yeah, also there's the heart removal in Temple of Doom and the um drinking from the wrong goblet at the end of Last Crusade as well. Oh yeah, that was an eye-covering moment for me in the cinema. I had to cover the old eyes. Me too. I, I saw it at the cinema as well. That's showing my age, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, my sister took me to see it. As I remember, as I recall, that was. Back in the days when you got an actual, not an intermission, but after before the film started, after the trailers, you got the little person came out with a tray of ice cream. Yep. Back in those days. What, what a time to be alive. <laughs> now you have to eat all your snacks before the trailers have even finished. Ridiculous. Um, anyway, uh, the last question is, if you could make a non-horror movie a horror movie, what would you choose? Uh, certainly wouldn't be Winnie the Pooh. Um, <laughs> that's a really good question. Uh, I, do you know, going to stick with Disney and go The Little Mermaid because have you ever? I'd I'd like to see them, and I think to a certain extent, I can't remember the name of the the filmmaker, but there was a Polish filmmaker did 
The Lure, which was a, a sort of kind of horror musical about two mermaids that join right. the circus. Um, but yeah, there, there's, there's, again, it, going back to, I suppose, the, the original spirit of the fairy tales, I think would, you can get some really good dark mileage out of that. And they are, the, there's some body horror, I think, to be mined from the little mermaid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I'd I'd like I'd like to see somebody with a sort of a, a knife for sort of gothic romanticism and body horror have a go at. But I can't really think. Maybe Julia de Cornell would would have a shot at that. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't think you're the first person who chose the Little Mermaid. But I can't remember who else did. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, nah, it's a good show. I think any of those ones that come from those was that Hans Christian Andersen one. Um, th- yes, it was because there's the Little Mermaid in uh, Copenhagen. Yeah, so yeah, that must be. It. Yeah, I was I was just actually about to mention that because we were in uh, we went to Copenhagen last September uh, for a, for a bit of a break, and where that statue is. Uh, I mean, it's it. There's loads and loads of people around it. They're all just trying to take pictures of this this statue, and it's it's like a bit of a ways out as well. I don't know yeah, quite yeah. why it's so popular, but you see, it's, coach loads of people driving up for it. It's tiny. I th- I think it's just the Mona Lisa effect that some once something's famous, then people will just keep going to it, and because it's famous, it's, it's rather famous because, it's because worthwhile. It's famous. Yeah, it's it's like there's a I can't remember the there's a moment in a Don DeLillo book, and I think it might be White Noise, where there's a bit about the most photographed barn in America. And it's only that because because it's the most photographed barn in America, people keep turning up to photograph it. And it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of self-perpetuating. And I think it's that kind of effect. Well, the, the, the thing that we found, though, is it's like a five-minute walk away from that. Uh, there is a genetically modified Little Mermaid statue, uh, which is completely empty. There was nobody about when we were there. And if if you Google you know, the image of it, like that is, you know, quite easy uh, easy to see how that could be turned into a horror film too. <laughs> I wasn't aware of that. I'm. A- I just got I just got sucked into the tourist trap. Yeah, I mean, just have a Google. It just looks really weird. And that there's like a series of uh, of statues in this little bit uh, that are all you're know, following a similar theme of messing with nature. Uh, and yeah, and it, it's completely empty. It looks like really interesting, really good to to visit. And would also serve as a much better horror movie villain than than the other tourist trap statue. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it now. Weird, isn't it? <laughs> hmm. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, right. Okay. Well, there you go. Then we've done it. We've managed to achieve yet another podcast. Um, how we keep managing these weekly things, I'll never know because I've never been organized for anything in my life. But uh, here we are now, Kevin. Do you have anything you need to plug, or are you just a, 
a, a man who's a guest. Uh, um, well, I'm the comedy and film editor, soon taken over as general editor of thewereview.com, which is Scotland's online cultural website. Uh, wow. Busy, busiest month of the year. We're 10 days into the fringe, which is just nuts. Um uh, and on Friday, I'm taking a break from that to um, cover the reanimated uh, Edinburgh International Film Festival, which we thought was dead and buried after last year, but it's been salvaged. Uh, and um, so as well as watching some films, I've got some interviews with Hope Dixon Leach, who's doing, uh, who's released a new version set in Edinburgh of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. All right. Um, got uh, Ira Sachs, uh, who's with his film Passages, and this is a big one. Um, there's been they're re-releasing um, Dead Man's Shoes, so I've managed to hopefully um, it's uh, I have got it. So unless something terrible happens, I'll be interviewing Shane Meadows next Tuesday, which is going to be quite exciting. Yeah, that's good stuff. Wow. Um, yeah, well, you'll have to send uh, send me a link. To it, and we'll we'll send people your way because that sounds fantastic. Certainly will. Thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, lovely. There you go. Someone, someone actually cultured on the show. Who knew it? <laughs> um, not suggesting you're not cultured, Matthew. I just know I'm not. Um, <laughs> I'm not pretending to be anything. I'm not. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, well, there you go, then, everyone. We've made your delicious sandwich. It's all wrapped up. I've popped it in a bag for you. Uh, no, you can't have crisps as a side, and no, there's no drinks available. It's just a dry, dry sandwich. Um, or, or delicious, should I say. It was actually a delicious, lovely... Look, I'm rambling now. Let's get out of here. Okay, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Lovely. <laughs>